good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the McCraw Podcast. This is season two, episode one, and we are so excited about this season. Um, very, I'm very, very excited, excited about it because uh, Brother AJ said it has transformed. What'd you say? It is. It has it's changed my life, man. This, this is what we're going to discuss. It's changed my life. Wow. So if you're new to the podcast, if you're new to this community, we do want to say welcome. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening or watching us on YouTube, whatever avenue you're listening or watching. We just want to say welcome. And if you missed the first season, hey, do yourself a favor. Go back, watch or listen to the first season. It was fantastic. But we are so excited that you're here. And if you're a regular, hey, welcome back. Um, I'm excited about this season. AJ, how are you doing? Doing good. Speaking of uh, last season, it's funny to me that it seems to be, and I haven't talked with you about this, the most uh, talked about episode is Unleavened Bread. Somebody texted me today yep. about that episode. Is that? That's our number one episode. Numbers? Yeah. That's hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, I've chosen not to think about it because there's a human tendency to like whatever is successful. We try to highlight that and do more of it. And I just kind of want to let it be. Yeah. Be yeah. sincere. <laughs> I had someone uh, recently text me and maybe you were preaching a sermon out somewhere. I don't know. But they said, AJ, y- y'all should talk about tabernacles in season two or get into tabernacles that you are blowing their minds. Maybe you preach a sermon. I don't know where they saw this on YouTube or whatever. And I was like, oh. well, if you heard Brother AJ preach a sermon on tabernacles, go view uh, episode eight because we talked about tabernacles yeah. in episode eight of season one. Um, so, that sermon uh, probably came from this series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- there's a lot of things that we, we've discussed that uh, maybe you've heard in, that's come out a little bit in his sermons or whatever. So go back, view season one. It was a, it was an incredible season. And I just want to say thank you to all of our guests and people that were listening and family members and everyone that's encouraging us. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of blown away by the feedback. And, and again, we're just going to keep going as much as God wants us to keep going. And as time allows, we're going to keep doing it. Yes, um, sir. But let's get into season Two season two episode one, uh, AJ. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a word that a lot of Christians know and use, and that's the word righteous. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal biblically. Um, it would appear to be a big deal in our modern culture, but I really want to dig in in this season into you know I, I've said it in the last season, and I've you know I've, I've taught this. The Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. It was written to them. And so we really want to know what righteousness meant to them. Right. And that's what we're going to really dig into. And somebody on this probably has studied it out. Um, they probably heard Kashok speak it at Congress. And I really, really feel like it's, it's a good time to dig into it. Yeah, she did an incredible job. Yes, yes, she did. And I really, really feel like it, it's worthy of discussing here on this podcast. So let's let's dive into that. How yeah, I? let's do it. I'm excited. So I want to read, um, I'm not going to read all of it, but I, I want somebody to just be drawn to Matthew 25. It's a pretty familiar passage, and I'm not going to read all of it. Uh, Levi, you don't even have okay. to pull it up. It's that famous passage where uh, Jesus is talking about when the Son of Man comes in, a, in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And then he talks about before him will be gathered all these nations and he'll separate people. On one side will be the sheep, the other side will be the goats. And um, he talks about the difference between the sheep and the goats, right? And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. He's talking to the sheep here. He said, you know, in all these social situations, you were there. Right. And then he does this in verse 37. Then the righteous, which are the sheep, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
So Jesus calls these individuals who have done all of these uh, things that he just listed. I was hungry and you fed me, naked and you clothed me, so on and so forth. He calls them righteous. So this passage right here is going to be the the driving theme of this uh this season that we're going to be discussing righteousness. We'll bounce back to it multiple times because we need to get Jesus's definition of what righteousness is. Right. Now, obviously we can't see anybody because this is a, a podcast, but show of hands to everybody who has used the word righteous and has tried to teach it easily. I did it as a student pastor. I'll never forget. It was like two years in to our, our student pastor endeavors. And I creatively taught that right righteousness is just doing what is right yeah well that's that leaves a lot to interpretation especially in our modern culture right now in the beginning of 2024 um that's not that's not a good heading you know just doing what is right is what makes you righteous well the bible tells us you know they will call evil good and good evil so the world's going to have their own variation and this is uh, this is really important because we're going into a culture that has a lot of ideas of what is right. Yeah, and it's very deceptive because it sure looks right. It's it's got the semblance of right, but it's not fully right. So we need to get into Jesus's paradigm of what is right, what is righteous. So obviously, I'm pretty passionate about words. Words have a meaning. And, you know, somebody listening is probably like, you know, duh, but yeah. words have a meaning, but the longer that word exists, we have a danger, a great, a great danger of getting further and further away from what that word originally meant. You know, like terrible is a great example. Mm -hmm. uh, terrible wasn't terrible. <laughs> That's why your, your, your King James Bible, we use the word terrible but it's used in a positive sense. It's It would be our version of awesome. Mm. But today, terrible means something, you know, images of devastation come. Right. But that's not the original. You know, we, we've kind of gotten away from that word vanity in Ecclesiastes. That word in the, in the ancient English, not ancient, but old English, was, you know, it is superfluous. It is, you know, like a vapor. It's... There's no substance to it. Right. But today, vanity, the first thing you think of is social media and, you know, everyone thinking about themselves, they're vain. Words have a meaning and righteousness, unfortunately, has developed some baggage. Yeah. So we're going to, um, if we're going to give like a, a theme to this particular episode, I would like to just call it paradigm shift because... We're going to really be moving a lot of people's paradigms, a lot of Christians' paradigms, because righteousness may have some baggage. It may have attached to it how many days you fast. I fasted this many days. I'm a righteous person. That may be latched onto, you know, your definition of righteousness or the clothing you wear. That may be attached to your variation of righteousness or your church attendance or xyz some external um important value and these are all good and this is where i want to talk about why that word how that how we got to where we are today with that word righteous so okay. all of those things have merit i don't want somebody listening to think that like my brother aj is like going woke and he's tearing all this apart all of that has value and it's it's culmination but i want to get to the heart to the motive yeah okay let's get to the motive of righteousness and all those things I just mentioned, the clothing you wear, all of that is a little part of righteousness. But if your motive's wrong, it's no longer righteous. Wow. Okay. So yeah. you'll understand more of what that means. So let's let's dive into that. So to really grasp what Jesus was saying, we we need to be fully acclimated in our minds to the culture and what the word righteous meant to those disciples that Jesus was talking to in first century Israel. So the biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is, you ready for it? You ready? It's, it's, a, it's a fun word. Sedekah. 
tzedakah. Okay, that's that's the Hebrew word for righteous. Okay, it's an important word, um, and we'll look at what it means. Uh, it's it's a more specific than just doing right. There's specificity to it. Here's the specific um, idea behind tzedakah. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. Mm. It's about, here's the specificity of righteousness. It's about treating others around us as the image of God and giving them the God-given dignity that they deserve. That's the specific qualifications of the word righteous. So that's important because it's really about how we're treating the people around us, which we see now understanding that, that definition, why Jesus was saying, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. You see now why he's drawing out this illustration. Then the righteous will say, when, when were you naked? When were you, he said, you know, when you did it to these people, your so, fellow imagers, it was like you were doing it to me. Wow. So righteousness is dependent on how you treat people? Yes. Wow. So I, I don't want to give too much away. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. that preacher. I don't want to show my hand too early, but I yeah. feel like I need to so that I don't lose somebody on yeah. this episode. No. So let me just speak quickly to clothing. Yeah. Okay. There's a big, there's big debates about, you know, why are, why is the Bible so um, passionate about modesty? Let's get to, let's, let's maintain the idea of righteousness and let's get to the heart of the matter. Oh, let's just use, uh, we'll use both men and women. Okay. Cause that's important. A woman covering her body, her motive should not be to appear righteous. <laughs> her motive should be, I don't want my brother to stumble. Yeah. It's, it's not about your self-righteousness. It's not about your image. It's about your fellow man's image. Now, a, a woman could cover her body. A man should cover his eyes. If there is a woman who does not have that standard, whether she doesn't understand it yet, doesn't, doesn't you know have the revelation of it, whatever the case may be, I, I don't know. The man still is like, well, she's not being righteous, so I'm not going to be. No, you, you cover your eyes. Why? Not to appear righteous, not to brag, at, brag about it at a conference. I've never looked at a woman. You know, that's, that's not the motive. The motive is that woman over there is the image of God. Mm. And by looking at her in an unclean way, you have just reduced the image of God down to an object to fulfill your lust that's you see the motive so doing right gets us there yeah but we need to know the full definition of the word righteousness is an ethical standard okay that refers to right relationships between people mm. it's about treating others as the image of god with the god-given dignity that they deserve this was a paradigm shift for me because I went through my life and looked at every standard that I had right, and weighed it against the motive of righteousness. And here's what I, I discovered. True. Just honesty here. I was righteous in appearance, but motive was flawed. Wow. A majority of the standards were not in place for how it would assist or help my neighbor. Yeah. You know, there's standards that I don't hold. There's certain things that my brothers or sisters around me, they have a standard about these things that I'm not convicted one way or the other. Right. But I do them when I'm around them because that's my brother. That's my sister. I will maintain that standard when I'm around that person. And someone will be like, well, that's not being true to yourself. That's the culture you're listening to. That is what is right in the culture. But we're trying to be kingdom culture. Yeah. You're not being authentic. I'm not trying to be authentic. I'm trying to be righteous. Right. Okay. So that's the uh, definition, the specific definition. 
Sedekah was the biblical standard of right relationships between all people. But the question is, this is the question that we all have as a generation, how does one become righteous? So we're going to look at another Hebrew word. Righteousness came through, are you ready for this word? It's mishpat. That's the word justice. So you'll see a lot of times in the Bible, those two words together, righteousness and justice or justice and righteousness. There's a reason why. So again, righteousness is the ethical standard between two individuals. Mishpat or justice is the actions one would take to create the standard of tzedakah. And I know that seems a little confusing, but we'll, we're going to really break down what that means. Okay. Mishpat or justice can refer to retributive justice, like retribution. You hit me, I hit you back. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But here's the thing. Mishpat can also in the Bible refer to restorative justice. You did this to me. Well, I'm going to retaliate in opposition of what you just did. You hit me, I'm going to turn the other cheek. The, uh, in fact, of the 400 plus times that justice is mentioned in the Bible, 90% of those times, it's actually restorative, not retributive. 90% of the times you see justice in your Bible, it's not talking about retribution. That's only about 10% of the time. Wow. Justice, 90% of the time of the 400 plus is talking about restoration. So meaning people went a step further. People were being righteous in the Bible. They were actually seeking out broken individuals who were being warped and distorted, taking advantage of, and they would come alongside them and help. We have a word for this in our modern culture. We, we call it charity. <laughs> yeah. You know, or philanthropy. Now let's let's look at a biblical example of this. If you can pull up for me, Job twenty nine, and let's go. Let's start at verse twelve, and we'll read a few verses. This passage will really uh, solidify everything uh, that was just said. So listen to what he says. Now this is this is Job's kind of like calling God to the courtroom. You know, Job has finally snapped, and he's like had it. Yeah. You know, I always laugh at the people who are like, Job didn't didn't question God. And I'm like, yeah, not at the beginning, but he, he totally did. Yeah. And he's went completely human. Um, but this is what he says, you know, as he's questioning God. He's like, I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. What is Job doing here? He's, he's saying, God, I was a good dude. Right. And listen to his definition of being a good dude. Scroll back up to verse 12. And he, he says, I delivered the poor. Yeah. I took care of the fatherless. I, I went and assisted. I was a blessing to the perishing man. I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. God, why did all this bad junk happen to me? I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice... My mishpat was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor and I searched out the case that I didn't know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth. He is, he's really trying to reconcile why do bad things happen to righteous people? Right. This isn't, God, I am essentially what he's doing is he's saying, God, I'm more righteous than you. Mm. I am far more just than you are. How could you let this happen? And he gives God his resume of all that he had done. And he's like, this isn't fair. Right. To show this kind of, of generosity and hospitality would declare somebody like Job going and looking after the fatherless and taking care of the widow and seeing to those that were, you know, taken advantage of. They were called Sadiqs. That's that's the form that it takes. The word righteousness is sedekah, but a righteous man would be called a sadiq. 
this is important. Somebody might have heard it. Remember the king, Melchizedek? Yeah. Yeah, his name was Sadiq. Melech is the word king, and the second part of his name is Sadiq. He's the king of righteousness. You know, and kind of like a giveaway here. Later on, we're going to talk about Jesus, who was of the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was the king of righteousness. So Job is mad at God, and he's like, you're not righteous. Well, God would prove otherwise because he would put on flesh yeah. and show how righteous he was. Mm. So we're starting to see how we're nailing this idea down that it's to look after somebody. Job was here as Sadiq. He was reminiscing of how he advocated for those vulnerable individuals and willingly got involved in their lives. He didn't just see them and be like, you know, I see that. That's, that's terrible. I hate you're going through that. He actually got involved with their lives. Right. And by getting involved in their lives, he makes this, this illustration of by doing so, I was clothed with righteousness and on my head was justice. We'll look at some more Old Testament um, or First Testament examples in the next episode. But I want to go back to Matthew. If you can put up Matthew chapter 22, same, same version, we'll read from that. And we'll look at verse 34 through 40. This question came up um, with Jesus' followers and those that heard Jesus teach. Jesus is really trying to shift the paradigm because righteousness, the idea of that started getting lost. The Pharisees uh, really got the brunt of these sermons because they were turning righteousness into filthy rags. So these Pharisees um, come to Jesus and they, they've got a question in Matthew 22. It says in verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, you know, that's, that's a guy who's skilled in the law. This guy knows, he knows his Tanakh. Right. He's, he's been reading it his whole life. He asked him a question, testing him saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God. He quotes Deuteronomy right here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second though, this is, this is the paradigm shift right here. This is what they have never heard anybody teach. He shifts their paradigm and he's like, but hold on before you start patting yourself on the back because you've been doing that. Here's yeah. the litmus test. If you actually have been loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because there's a mirror side to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself wow so you can you can almost <laughs> feel the air getting sucked out of the room in this text his response would not have been surprising at all in verse 37 when he quotes their daily prayer that they pray in their shema deuteronomy 6 4 right he mentioned to them that this was the first and great commandment and they're like yeah bro we know that we've been doing yeah, it we easy. are yeah we're abiding by the law they were questioning him and they would have felt righteous in this moment. We're, we're doing that. Mm. But Jesus quickly surprises them as he does multiple times in the gospels. He surprises them with the next statement that would have shocked them to their core. He's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. There's a second law and it's a perfect mirror to the one that we just discussed. And he quotes Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Now, remember, we opened up this lesson with when, when were you naked? When were you hungry? When you did it to them, you did it to me. Wow. If you love me, it should stand to reason that you will love what's made in my image. That the litmus test of your righteousness is how you're treating people around you. I don't understand, Jesus. Well, greater love hath no man than this. Then a man laid down his life for his friends. The next verse, Jesus actually says, and you are my friends. Well, Jesus didn't just preach a pretty sermon. He actually went and lived that sermon and died on their behalf. Right. Which is why John said, my little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. But any, if anyone does sin, you have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He was the most righteous because he did for us what we could not afford. Right. 
So Jesus is shifting their paradigm. Right here, their previous paradigm that they were adhering to of loving the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength would have been challenged. It would have been addressed. It would have just collision of two worldviews. It's time to shift, guys. The God that they so desperately say they loved would ask them to also love what was made in that very God's image, their fellow man. Wow. To further challenge their paradigm to shift, Jesus tells them in verse 40 that upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What the text is saying is upon these two, these two things that I just told you, Deuteronomy 6.4 and Leviticus 19.18, is the entire point of the law and the prophets. Mm. The heartbeat of the law was to cultivate a love for God. And the second was to protect his image, mankind. So pause. Now you understand 10 commandments. Go look at them. Five of them deal with the relationship between God and man. The other five deal with the relationship between man and man. <laughs> yep. It's in perfect symmetry. Wow. Their whole worldview was changing because at this point, in fact, our last episode, we, we had this discussion um, somebody asked a great question of, you know, during the time when the mercy seat was taken, what did the priest do? Right. They were just fulfilling the custom. They were just going in there and sprinkling blood on a rock, just doing it out of repetition, but didn't know the motive, the reason, or the substance of why they were doing it. So this is why I made that statement that it changed my life because here I am just going through the custom, being raised in the church my whole life brought up in a pastor's home and I'm, I'm doing all these things. And I believe they were good. Right. I believe that they were in God knew my heart. I was doing it out of ignorance. I was just doing it out of obedience. And there's something to be said about just doing something out of obedience. Right. And in that process though, doing something out of sincere obedience, God comes and gives us another revelation right. of his Bible that takes it even <laughs> deeper. And I realized in that moment, I, I want to be balanced. I don't want somebody to listen to this, be like, Oh my God, I've been doing it wrong my whole life. You've been faithful. Right. You've been consistent. And I don't I want this to be edifying. But for me, I, I took a step back and I was like, man, I have not been maintaining these things for anybody else but me. So I started going through my life and I I I took on more standards, honestly, because I realized, man, the words that I say, the way I say them could be pretty cutting. How did that make my neighbor feel? And there's times for that and you have to discern it. You know, there, the Bible is good for rebuke, but me just being a smart aleck because that person is getting on my nerves. Was I righteous in that moment? No. Yeah. It, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy as you're talking, it's just like most of our Christian walk. And I say, us. I'm just saying I'm generality, we focus so much on our relationship with God, us and God, us and God, us and God. Um, we can, and I'm just, let me just put it in my perspective. I can lose sight of the the second commandment of that. Love my neighbor. I'd love myself. Wow. This yeah. is, this is a revelation for me. So thank you, AJ. This is great. It's easy. And here's why, because Deuteronomy six, four is the relationship with the righteous God. Yeah. The just God, the glorified, perfect God. But over here, those made in his image are still being sanctified, let alone they're not glorified. So they are prone to hurting us. They are prone to disappointing us, letting us down. And so what we lean towards, and here's, here's the paradigm shift. We have to know what, what the word justice means in our culture. Justice means retribution. Mm. We always say justice will be served. Right. They're going to get what's coming to them. That That is true in the Bible, but only 10% of the time. I can't throw away the 10 because of the 90. It's still true. But the 90% of the time is restorative, which now helps us understand Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If someone hits you on the cheek, turn it off from the other one. Wow. And we would say that's not just. No, or here's what we would say. Now that we know what justice means, we'll say that's not fair. God would say, I know it's not, 
but it's right. just. Wow. Leading up to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, they have a theology of killing an innocent lamb. That's not fair. There's nothing fair about that. The lamb did nothing wrong. Right. And God would say, no, it's, it's not fair. That's the point. It's just. Jesus did nothing wrong. And we could say that wasn't fair. And he would say, no, but it's just. What I'm doing is turning the other cheek for restoration's sake. Wow. The 10% will come when he sits on the judgment seat. But right now he's in that 90%. So don't keep a hand on both sides of, of what justice is. It, because like, I just, I'm thinking about him dying on the cross. It wasn't fair for him to die on the cross. No. But the justice, justice will be served. That's, it was restorative. It was restoring us. Wow. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about paradigm for a minute. Let's just kind of like explain what a paradigm is. Yeah. Cause I don't want to assume that everybody knows what that, that is. So a paradigm, um, theory is a general theory that helps to provide scientists the, that are working in a particular field, you know, whatever that field may be, it could be medicine, it could be string theory, whatever it is. A paradigm provides them with their framework, their theoretical framework. So it's providing them with their basic assumptions, their key concepts, the methodology, that's their paradigm. It gives their research its general direction and its goals. So an example of this, because I, I know that sounds a little wordy, but an example of a paradigm within the science would be Ptolemy's geocentric model of the universe. So Ptolemy believed that the earth was at the center of the universe. Okay. That was his paradigm. All of his math, all of his theories revolved around that idea, that paradigm. The earth is at the center of the universe, all the planets and the moon, the sun, when the, when the sun raises, it's because the sun is going around the earth. That was his paradigm. I mean, you could see how he got there, right? You know, just standing here on this terra firma, watching the sun rise in, in the east and setting in the west, it looks like it's revolving around us. Well, a paradigm shift occurs when another idea or methodology replaces an, the former one. Ptolemy's paradigm shifted when Copernicus, his theory stated that the sun was at the center of the universe. This was called the heliocentric model. And here's what happened. <laughs> here's where it gets crazy. Here's where history is a great tale for us. You know, we, we need look no further than our past to determine our future. You know what happened when, <laughs> when um, Copernicus came and offered a different paradigm. He got excommunicated from the church <laughs> as a heretic. That's what happened. They're like, you are nuts. You are insane. And somebody could say, why does it matter? Who cares if the sun's at the center of the universe or, or the earth is space travel cares. Right. You cannot leave this planet. If your paradigm adheres to the earth is at the center, right? Your, your math will never get you off this planet. Space exploration cares a great deal about that paradigm shifting. So somebody's saying, why does it matter that our paradigm shift in when it comes to the idea of righteousness, leaving this earth, right? <laughs> going up in a rapture is, is why it matters because the way we treat others is how we feel about God. Wow. Because don't forget that was a heaven or hell message that Jesus preached in, in the opening text of Matthew 25 to the goats I put over here mm. and to the sheep I put over here and the sheep were called righteous and the goats were called wicked and guess, guess the destiny of the wicked. He tells them, he says, you will be cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, leaving this planet cares, right? That the paradigm shift, the stark difference between the sheep and the goats was the sheep. You came to me when I was hungry. You came to me when I was naked. You came to me when I was in prison. To the goats, you didn't do any of these things. When? When did we see you? Jesus, we loved you. We served you. We worshiped you. We had Deuteronomy 6 4. 
He's like, yes, but you didn't have Leviticus 19.18. Wow. Uh, yeah, your relationship with, with God was spot on, but you didn't treat people the way that I yeah. treated people. Their question was, we never did that to you. We would yeah. never do such a thing to you. Yeah. When you did it to them, it was like you did it to me. Wow. Leaving this earth cares about that paradigm shifting. It does. <laughs> so mm. as modern Westerners, when we think of justice, as I said, we think of fairness. Those two words are synonymous in our Western culture. We say things like, is this fair? Right. Justice is a positive word, especially when we claim to have justice on our side. Truth is, however, that justice is a very confused word in our Western society. We all want justice. You know, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's the cry of the hour. That's the whole woke movement. Mm. We want justice, but nobody seems to agree on what constitutes justice. This is why there's an internal war going on in America right now. It's because no group can agree on what justice actually is. How you define what is just and unjust is, is unfortunately, it's not inherently obvious to us. It comes through a set of religious dogmas or world values that says this is right or this is wrong. Right. There's a great book if somebody wants to go and read it. Um, author Michael Sandel. He's a Harvard Law professor and he's the author of a book called Justice. What's the right thing to do? He says that modern Western world, the modern Western world lives in a very confused state because we all cry for liberty and justice. Yet we have subcultures that have set a set of different core values that define differently what the just thing is. So he does a really good job. He boils it down to three categories. The first category is the maximizing welfare view. These people are comprised of a group and subculture of individuals with political parties attached that believe that the most important thing is what will bring the greatest amount of good and reduce the greatest amount of harm for the greatest number of people. To them, the maximizing welfare view, to them, the just thing is to determine what the greatest good is but they don't define what harm is. So this view is often attached to what we call socialism. A second group, the respecting freedom view. This is about individual liberties. Just or justice in their view focuses on what is the greatest amount of respect for the individual freedoms to live how they want to live. This view is deeply rooted in American history and culture. Think of the phrase, don't tread on me. This is often connected to um, libertarianism. There's a third group, he says. These, these three groups, okay, you've got the maximizing welfare view. They say that this is the just thing. What will, what will give the most amount of good to the most amount of people and reduce the most amount of harm? Second one is respecting freedom view. Don't tread on me. What's going to give the most amount of freedom to individuals. The third is promoting virtue view. This is where we've gotten a lot of our, um, now we'll get into that. <laughs> justice is what shapes the society in their view. Justice is what shapes the society to act as they ought to act in accordance with moral virtues. There is a vision that humans ought to behave this way. There is an agreement on what those virtues are and the society will be just when they are pushing people towards those virtues. This view lines up closely to the biblical viewpoint. However, there are wide varying opinions on what the moral rules are. Mm. This is where we get different religions and denominations of religions. This is often connected to what we call conservatism. As long as these three groups are in America, we'll never agree on what the just thing is right to get to the just thing. Everyone has to agree on the word of God and someone listening and be like, well, that's your view. 
I would retort and say, that's not mine. That's God's view. Right. So to put this into context, these three ideas comprise the whole of America. Each one has a vastly different view of what is just or fair. It's no wonder we fight so much. It's, it's no wonder we can't get along because we have ventured away from what is righteous and what is just. And if we don't have a revival and I can't speak on behalf of America, right? To someone listening as a Christian, you have got to get back to what is righteous. So as to go into these world, into this world and into these, these subcultures and make a difference by sitting at dinner tables with them and being righteous, doing the hard work. It becomes extremely important for us as Christians to check these views at the door and agree upon a biblical viewpoint. Why? Buckle up. We're not Republicans. Right. We're redeemed. We're, we're not Democrats. We're disciples. Mm. We're not independent. We are dependent on Christ. Right. This is not a democracy. It is a theocracy. Nobody voted Jesus in. Yeah. He came in and said he's king and you don't get to accept that. This whole, I accept you as my Lord and savior. You don't have an, you don't get an option. He's king, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. There is no accepting him. He is king. Nobody voted him in. We have to identify with what he called righteous. We associate with his kingdom. These three viewpoints have become even more compounded and convoluted with the introduction to social media, where we hear thousands of differing points on what justice is right. from their individual perspective. Here's what is justice. And you got, a, you got what we call the woke movement. They're saying what is just. Well, when you highlight one side of justice, you demean another side. Right. Justice is the image of God and maintaining their God-given dignity. But you don't get to focus on one little aspect of that and ignore a whole other aspect because it's humanity. That's what we're focusing on. And it's getting tricky, bro. Yeah. The reason why this is so important is I was sent a video clip. Evidently, there was a commercial during the Super Bowl of Jesus washing feet. Right. And it was the most, you know, if somebody watched it, it looks really good. It looks like the, the social justice hero, Jesus. And it's roped with truth, but it's still a lie. Mm. So we, the world is starting to use Jesus as the, the Katniss Everdeen, the, the face of the rebellion for the woke movement. They're using Jesus now for this. This is where I'm deeply concerned that if we don't understand the doctrines, the world is using Jesus right now. They right. brought, um, I don't know what the guy's name is, the lead character for The Chosen, but the guy who plays Jesus, Right. they brought him on multiple interviews and people on one side of the aisle are talking about, you know, this, the social hero Jesus and how he washed feet and how he stood in front of stones for, they quote this, they, I listened to one interview and they're like, you know, Jesus, Jesus was for the, the vulnerable and he was, he stood in front of stones for the woman caught in the act of adultery and Jesus was a social hero, social justice hero and all this stuff. And they're really trying to prove their political view with Jesus as the forerunner. And I'm listening to that. I'm like, yes, that is all so true. That is all true. But you're only quoting half the scripture, which is what the devil did, by the way, yeah. in the wilderness. He never quoted all of the scripture, just pieces of it. He also turned and looked at the woman caught in the act of adultery and said, go and sin no more. Right. So we've got to know that Jesus is righteous. He is just. Jesus is the 90% restorative. He showed us that on the cross but he will be retributive. He will bring retribution as well. He's not forcing that. I tell this to people all the time, the, the good harmony of Jesus 
is when God comes to Noah and tells him, judgment's coming. I'm going to wipe this world out. He said that one time and spent a whole chapter talking about the boat. Yeah. 10% versus 90. Yeah. They're both true. But you see the heart through the 90. That's but right. you see that God is still retributive. So this commercial of, of Jesus washing feet and washing, you know, people who are very confused. He's washing the homosexuals' feet. Yes. But he still looks at them and says, go and sin no more. So I want to counterbalance this so that someone listening to this doesn't think, okay, McCraw is just trying to push a woke agenda. No. You have to take all of the man Jesus. Right. You can't just leave part of it out. Can't leave part of it out. For us, we need to go and wash feet. Yeah. I said this on another podcast, and I think it will fit here. Man and woman were both made in the image of God. Right. Well, taken out of Adam was woman, and all of the attributes of God that were all inside of Adam, part of those went to Eve, the nurturing side, the gracious side, the loving side, all of that. What stayed in Adam was the provisional side, the warring side, his body that could carry a load and which is built different frame-wise than a woman. All of that stayed in Adam. Right. Well, God tells him, I want you to come together and become one flesh. All of that nurturing, all of that grace, all of that love, and all of this, this just gritty and strong and built different provisional side come together into one being. Well, if you could look at that, I believe that man would be the image of doctrine. Doctrine is heavy. It's, it's what we build everything upon. It's foundational. It provides us with revelation. It is strong. But then woman can be the embodiment of grace. Right. You have to have spirit and truth. You've got to have that mercy and truth. They've got to come together and become one flesh. You can't let go of one for the other. So to be righteous is to put a hand on all of it. Right. Jesus was all of it. The mercy, mercy from what I can find biblically always came first. It was always the first thing. That righteous foot washing always came first. That, that loving, beautiful Savior always came first. Where are your accusers? Standing in front of the stones. Mercy came first because the woman is the more attractive of the two. That nurturing side, that loving, merciful side, that righteous side who did well for that woman came first. But then doctrine, truth came out and said, you cannot stay living this way. Mercy and truth, both together. To be truly Christ-like, we have to take the God side and the human side. Mercy has to come first, first through righteousness, and then truth has to follow at its appointed time. Right. Don't let go of one or the other because we've seen it. We've seen the churches that are all mercy. They're an effeminate church. Mm. There's no truth. There's no doctrine there. Anybody can do whatever they want to. They, you feel really welcome and it's a really fun church to attend, but there's no change. Right. But then you go to all truth, no mercy. And man, you feel beat on. You yeah, feel there's no love. It feels like there's no love in that church. Right. And it's, it's a strong, just I'm going to just all the man side of the church. And it's just, it's, it can come across as abusive, but right. if you can get both of those, mm. you can have a kingdom church. And I want to look on the side. The righteousness has to come first. We're really going to dig in, in in future episodes and really nail all this down and make it practical. But the paradigm has to shift where we have got to do a better job is righteousness has to come first. I know you've got opinions. I know you do. And all of us have opinions and we, we have, we know what is true, but that often comes first before that person even knows that we care about them. Right. Turn the other cheek. You know, somebody slapped you with their political preference. They slapped you right across the face with their political preference. Turn the other cheek, wash their feet, mm. and then tell them the truth. Don't let go of either side. You got to hold both. 
I am a firm believer in doing it the Jesus way, the full way. I want all of the man Jesus, not just the mercy side. Right. Not just the driving people out with the whip side. I want the harmony of both. And one of the ways that we show mercy first is through righteousness because righteousness is not, it's not your version of what is right. It's not your 21 day fast. Right. It might be, maybe you fasted 21 days for somebody that was sick. Right. There your motive was righteous. But if your 21 day fast was so that you could be more spiritual, I question your righteousness. Wow. It, it feels, it feels a little bit like, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? Right. Did we not prophesy in your name? Man, I fast 21 days and I got, I've reached another level. He's like, yeah, you reached another level, but you never reached your neighbor. <laughs> oh my. This changed my whole, why I give, where I give where my finances go, what I do with my finances, my motives, I change my entire motive, the way I speak to my children, the way I speak to my wife, the way I preach. Every element of this, this vessel was transformed through this revelation. When I sat down and I asked myself, I'm not righteous. Yeah. I have an appearance of godliness. And I know we quote that all the time. You have an appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Power is another word that has lost its original meaning. Paul has already established what the power of Christ is. It's the work that was wrought on the cross, is what he says in Ephesians 1. Mm. His power is what he did on the cross. So denying the power thereof, you have a form of godliness, but you deny dying for others thereof. Wow. So, Yeah. We need to establish the mindset of what is just in the right. kingdom. The biblical definition of justice or mishpat is connected to love, mercy, humility. Yeah. Mercy is about looking on people who are in difficult situations. And if I act in their favor and do good to them, then it's called mercy. Humility is very similar as it's me treating someone else as more important than myself. I make their problems my problems. Humility is not just like, oh, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody. Humility is saying, my problems aren't as bad as theirs. Right. Let me go and serve them. Humility is, uh, it's a cliche for a reason. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking more about yourself less. Yeah. Justice is, in a nutshell, making other people's problems my problems while doing it in a Christ-like manner. Wow. I, I'll leave and we'll, we'll have some discussion back and forth, me and you, if you've got anything you want to add, but I want to, I want to end this before we go into the next episode with Psalm 146. And let's start at verse three, Psalm 146, three. I think this, I think this passage will strike to the heart of what we're saying. And I've got a lot to say on this topic. In fact, we'll talk about prophets in this um, season because you'll notice every prophet, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about righteousness. I question modern day prophets. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I know I am, but it's caught in my crawl. I question modern day prophets who always talk about money yeah, and blessings coming to your house because every prophet I read about Every prophet I read about in the Bible tells individuals, give to the poor. Mm. John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest prophet. Nobody quotes this side of John. In his message, he's, he's telling them to repent. And the Pharisees are like, what do we need to do? He's like, how many coats do you have? Two? Okay, give one to, to yeah. the one who doesn't have one. <laughs> You're not giving to receive. Right. You are looking, you're making other people's problems your problem. And that was the number one message of the prophets. Wow. Yeah. We'll talk about that more. I got a lot to say about the prophets. Yeah. So 146.3? Yes. Okay. Let's read through 
10. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man, in whom, that just means human, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, mm. who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. But the way, listen to the contrast, but the way of the wicked, the wicked in this context is everybody who does opposite of what you just read. He turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Come now. So we're really going to, we'll dig into this more. Whoa. There's this righteousness thing is really looking around you at your neighbor. It's to sum this up quickly for someone at 56 minutes and 41 seconds is driving down the road and you see a homeless guy there and you pull over and you give him some water. You give him 10 bucks and someone listening to this is like, I don't know. You might go buy drugs with that $10. He might. Absolutely. He might. He's a sinner. What do you expect a sinner to do? Yeah. What were you? What? Sinner's sin. You know, it's not, a. it's not what he's going to do with it. It's what you're going to do with it. What are you wow. going to do with that $10? You know, he'll have to do what he'll have to do. Well, I don't want to. What if he goes and buys a bullet and kills somebody? That You don't get to choose. Paul said it this way. You have no clue. You might have been entertaining an angel unaware that God sent to test the world to see if they were righteous. Mm. <laughs> How many times I've wondered this. I thought this so many times that when I, I, I think this every time now. When I drive and I see a homeless person or it don't even have to be a homeless person. It could be a, a child that I didn't even smile at. I stop and I wonder, was that an angel sent that I was unaware of to test to see if I'm righteous? That's my motivation. And I don't do it for me. The ones that I know aren't angels, my fellow brother, I want to bless them. I want to pour into them. This is why we, my wife and I have personally adopted and taken on multiple uh, missionaries and home missionaries and um, we've taken on Tupelo Children's Mansion and Lighthouse Ranch for Boys and all these things because those are righteous movements. Those are righteous departments within the UPCI right. taking care of these these orphans and these young men who don't stand a chance. That's righteous. Right. That's what righteousness is. Wow. It changed everything, bro. My preaching, my conduct, the way I live in private, my finances. That's why I say it changed every fiber of my being to know what true righteousness is in God's eyes. The way I dress, the way I conduct myself, all of those things I still apply, but now with the motive of how is this affecting my neighbor? Wow. Because, you know, here we are. This isn't humility, by the way. Yeah. That's not a standard in the Bible. The Bible doesn't preach that. It may not, but your neighbor sure is convicted about it. Mm. Guess what? There's no news flick. There's no Netflix in the Bible either. And your neighbor may have a deep held conviction. I am. There's filth on Netflix. Every time I watch it, I stumble and fall. I can't have it. I don't want it. Well, when you're around them and you have no conviction of Netflix, and you have Netflix and, you know, you're giving to their program, however much it costs a month, and you're building up their kingdom while you're doing it. When you're around your brother who has a conviction, don't blast them and be like, that, by God, that's not even in the Bible. You don't have to do all that. That's the wrong motive. This is Paul really breaks it down, and we'll look at this in a future episode. If it offends your brother to eat meat, don't do refrain. it. Refrain. Yeah. Don't do it. Like we know, 
We know that that meat is just a steak. It's a T-bone. We know we don't. It's, that meat was dedicated to the gods. We understand that. But if it offends your brother who is like, who just came out of polytheism and that steak was devoted to Zeus mm. and he sees his brother eating that same steak, he's going to be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm struggling here. Go right. home and eat a T-bone. Eat your T-bone in, in, at home. Because Paul's like, it don't convict you. We know that. But if it offends your brother, refrain. Yeah, don't, don't cause your brother to stumble. I believe we would have a lot more unity. See, what we're trying to create is uniformity. Wow, everyone believes the same thing. Everybody believes the same thing. We have mistaken unity for uniformity, and here's why we've done it, because we don't have a clue what righteousness is. Right. So, yeah. Or we only, yeah, we're only trying to, see, as you're talking through this, it's so much easier for us to fulfill uh, our relationship with God, one-on-one, like, hey, God, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, or I did this. And and it's so much harder to look at the other side of righteousness is to help our brothers or sisters. Yeah. Um, even even just on a Sunday, if we're really busy, if, we're, if you're in ministry and you're working and you're trying to make sure the church is running and doing different things, I'm going to speak on my perspective, taking 10 minutes to talk to somebody that is trying to talk to you is a lot more important than making sure a certain light is turned on. Yeah. That's righteousness. Cause maybe they needed that 10 minutes just to connect with someone or at a gas station or at a grocery store, you know, you know, you just got done well praying. Said. You just got done praying at a prayer meeting, <laughs> a week of prayer, 21 days of fast. And you got done praying at a prayer meeting, an hour connecting with God. You're tired. You're ready to go home and you have to stop by the grocery store, but you bump into someone and you don't, you don't want to give them the time or day because you're just trying to get home because you connected with God, which was a good thing. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But what if you are being tested on the second part of righteousness? What if you were supposed yeah. to talk to them and ask how was their days for there to be an open door for them to say, you know what? My day wasn't very good and you could have had an opportunity to pray with them. You know, I, I, uh, this is very good. This is a revelation to me. Um, you know, you always hear, make sure you're taking care of your brothers and sisters, love your neighbors as much as you love yourself. But this is, this is powerful, AJ. This is awesome. Yeah. Making sure that we, we are, we are loving people in our city and our community, giving them time, praying for them, being, making sure they're not stumbling. And man, we can get the God, the God relationship we can get most of the time pretty correctly, but loving each other, especially in today's culture where everything is devices and everyone has their own truths and they studied it out and this is what they believe. This is their opinion. And then obviously if you're like me, you might get mad at their opinion. (laughs) Well, if we're looking at justice, the way that you're talking about it, Hey, turn the other cheek, bend down, wash their feet. It brings a whole new meaning too. while all the disciples are arguing at the last supper and Jesus just goes and grabs a, uh, a basin and he starts washing their feet while they're arguing. Even for Judas. Yeah. Even for Judas, the one that he already knew was going to yep. betray him. And he still turned the other cheek and said, you know what? Come over here. Let me wash your feet. Wow. Judas got the full weight of justice, the 90% restorative and the 10% retributive because he said, whatever you're going to do, just go do it. Go do he it. got both. He wow. was, he had the hands of Jesus on his feet. Mm-hmm. And he chose the handing over to his own design. Wow. That's, That's powerful. The great tragedy of the life of Judas is to have his hands. You chose to be handed over instead. Mm, you had That's, your hands washing your feet. Yep. Yeah. And you chose to hand him over. Mm. I've got theories about Judas. <laughs> oh, well, we would love to hear it. <laughs> we would love to hear your theories. But let's 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 give a teaser for the next episode to get people to come back to hear some theories. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's look at a little preview. Yeah, the next episode, episode we're gonna we're gonna take a journey back back to the Old Testament. We're gonna see where this idea first originated. I love and why that. it was such a big deal. I love. It. I can't wait. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Because even talking through this, like they, in their culture, I'm sure that's all they were taught was to love God, to love God, to love God, to love God, to love God. And so that, like you said at the very beginning of this episode, is to, is they got that down. But then Jesus comes and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a part two to this. 
Yeah. Love your neighbor. And so in the next episode. Little preview. The reason why God told them not to trim the corners of their crops was for the widows, the immigrants, the orphans, and the poor. What he was telling them was, he said, guys, I've given you a whole crop. You can give from the excess to those people who are broken. And then he says, for these things shall be justice and righteousness unto you. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank yep. you, AJ, for this amazing episode. I can't wait for the next one. If you are new around here or if you're listening for the first time um, or if you're a continuous guest, if you would, please like, subscribe, and um, share share these episodes as we continue to build the McCraw podcast. Um, AJ, do you... And also comment, comment. Put something in the comment. What was your favorite part of this episode? Maybe you learned something. Uh, maybe tell us a story or testimony how maybe you lived this out this past week, how maybe you um, kind of loved your neighbor in a different way or helped your neighbor in a different way. Let us know. Yeah. I'd love to hear some testimonies through through this episode. But AJ, why don't you sign us out here? Go read your Bibles. It's a good book. <laughs> it is a great book. We'll see you in the next one.